Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 7 of the One Wednesday podcast series. I'm Bill Yates from the One Summit, and if you're new to the podcast, it's a pretty simple idea. We spend 20 minutes with a different guest each week, talking about one specific part of running a wide area network. Whether it's moving to AI, the death or otherwise of MPLS, or how enterprises are managing the shifting boundaries of the network edge, we're going to cover it. Now this week, we're going to talk about a very common topic, even, common topic of conversation when it comes to the WAN, costs and how to keep them down. It's pretty rare in a networking career you'll get an entirely blank check to plan a WAN with. So network managers need to decide where they should and shouldn't compromise, whether some costs can be consolidated, and most importantly, how to strike that balance between a performance level that the users will accept and a total cost of ownership and running that the accountants will accept. And to discuss how organisations can pull this trick off, we've invited a veteran of the WAN Summit from years gone by. As CTO of the Coevolve SD-WAN and Cloud Networking Consultancy, he's seen firsthand the kind of dexterity that's required when balancing cost, security and performance. So, Kieran Roche, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you very much, Bill. Thanks for having me. And, you know, this is a really interesting topic to get into today. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the discussion. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on here. So, um, a good place to start. It's probably the changing face of the corporate network now. There's been a mass migration to working from home, which none of us really would have expected even a few months ago. And just thinking back to when we recorded the first of these one Wednesdays, it was, I think, early March, maybe early mid-March. And um, it was right at the time when companies had just sent their staff home. And um, we had Greg Bryan from Telegeography on the on the show, and he was discuss- and we were discussing how networks were going to handle the strain. But... We were, how we were talking was kind of quite theoretical. But we're several weeks into this now, and um, in a lot of cases, it's actually been proven that internet connectivity is sufficient for users to experience the kind of performance they were getting in their branches and their offices. So that being the case, Kieran, how do you think branch requirements can be changed from a cost-saving point of view now? Yeah, it's definitely become a very practical consideration for these enterprises where you know, they may have had theoretical plans to, to make the, the one more distributed in the past. It's, uh, it's been been really kind of forced into, into action. So I think it's, it's definitely proving the case in many enterprises that you really can distribute that user base and uh, have users that are accessing critical applications sitting at the end of a home internet connection, for example. And we've seen this even some uh, pretty demanding industry verticals like uh, engineering and architecture firms transferring large CAD files, things like that. So even in those environments, it's, it seems to be holding up pretty well from what we've seen. So I think there is an opportunity there for enterprises to to test this on a, on a larger scale where instead of uh, more traditional uh, enterprise-grade connectivity everywhere, they can use more of these low-cost connectivity options at the underlay level and have a larger set of their user base depend on it. And I think just making sure it's done in a, um, in a careful manner is important and you know, that you're distributing the risk correctly. And we've seen just in, uh, across Europe in the last week a lot of issues with one of the large ISPs there and you know, thousands of people being taken offline right in the middle of when they're at the, the peak of this working from home period. So there can be large-scale sort of backbone-level exceptions there, so making sure that the risk is being distributed becomes an important factor. But certainly the, the cost opportunity does appear to be there, and there's enough proof points out there that you can run demanding applications off a much lower cost-based infrastructure than enterprises may have thought previously. 
Okay, so you um, you actually it might be good if you say a few words about who Coevolve are and the, the kind of the business model you run because you you are SD One consultancy, aren't you? Yes, yes. So we we started Coevolve about five and a half years ago in 2014. Um, my background and uh, the other uh, co-founder Tim Sullivan's background is very much in global uh, enterprise networks, but with a, a particular focus on alternative models and a lot of internet use and so on in, in that model. And we saw a great opportunity to build a services business that could help enterprises adopt next generation technologies. And SD-WAN has become a, a really big part of that. Uh, we see uh, significant change now happening at the, the core of the networks now with uh, cloud networking opportunities and so on. But the whole purpose of the business was to help uh, enterprises with all their, their complexity and, and legacy baggage um, adopt some of these promising technologies, but in a, in a very realistic, controlled way. So rather than assuming the, the greenfield ideal opportunity, looking at, uh, in a real-world complex enterprise, how do you take advantage of some of these new cost-saving or other benefit technologies and implement them in a very controlled way? So that was the business we set out to build. And We've now helped enterprises adopt the technology in about 65 countries around the world and have had a, a good level of success with that. But what we generally find is that a big driver for these, um, these types of projects is getting more bandwidth, getting more reliable connectivity to users, and increasing the use of Internet and cloud services as part of it. So, yeah, this is very much in the middle of the, uh, the space that we typically focus on. Okay, so you, um, w with that kind of work pattern, you're obviously seeing quite a few different use cases across different industry verticals, different countries, different company sizes, different pretty much everything. So in general, have you seen with this, now we're a couple of months deep into the into handling the situation, have you seen any of your customers that are looking toward, looking kind of beyond firefighting and are now looking to see how they can make the most of what this has proven to to save some cost in the in the short or the midterm? We we definitely are. So we're seeing some customers that have accelerated the, the rate of adoption of technologies like SD WAN. Um, and one of the big things that they have found is that if they've got an existing MPLS network, for example, you know, there's typically long contract terms and high cost associated with that, the last six weeks or so have really proven that the, that network is really only useful at the locations where it services. So if you suddenly take all of your users away from that MPLS network, you're no longer getting the benefit from it. And the ability to have internet-based connectivity where you can facilitate connections from users anywhere and make that very portable so that they can move uh, between locations or in and out of co-working spaces or whatever the, the use case might be, the the internet-based model is far better suited to that. So we're starting to see enterprises reevaluate those types of more traditional connectivity contracts because they're realizing that they're far too rigid for the, the more flexible use patterns that they need to get for their users today. So that's one very um, strong theme that we're seeing coming out is the, uh, the reevaluation of those uh, existing contracts. We're also then seeing um, enterprises look even within uh, an existing contract cycle, uh, looking at things like revenue commitments and opportunities to divert some spend away from those existing contracts and implement more tactical solutions, again, usually around 
internet connectivity at the underlay and then uh, uh, some form of SD-WAN or overlay technology over the top of that to, uh, to accommodate where the users need to connect from. So, yeah, we're definitely seeing it drive a shift in uh, enterprises looking at where they're placing that spend and what they can do to, to reduce some of those costs in the short and medium term. Okay, that's uh, that's really interesting to hear. So um, when we when we started this discussion, we were we mentioned that there's obviously when when you do focus on cutting costs, not not cutting costs, managing costs, which we see, I'm sure you see in your work, and also we see when we run our WAN summits, uh, which are obviously coming on standby now, but we'll be back soon, we hope. Um, we see that keeping keeping a, a, an eye on the cost really is a primary driver for people when they choose an SD-WAN. When we asked our audience in London uh, last October, 44% of them said that keeping the cost down was the primary motivation for who they select. And when you compare that to the 14% of the respondents who said that cutting costs is the reason they choose an SD-WAN, we obviously see a shift in focus as the adoption journey goes on. So um, when you see that, well, firstly, do you see that your customers have to make some kind of compromises as a result of cost pressures? And when they do, what generally is the thing that suffers? Yeah, what we see is it's an interesting shift. And we've certainly seen um, enterprises becoming, I guess, less conservative in how they, they consider the the, the makeup of the, the WAN itself. So the, the traditional approach to putting a WAN together was very much driven by guaranteed bandwidth, guaranteed fixed times on individual circuits, SLAs, a single telco or provider that you could hold accountable. And what enterprises are increasingly looking at is really breaking that apart and fragmenting the network much more so that the the underlay is now being sourced from a variety of providers, each of whom have responsibility for a small, far smaller portion of the environment, but you're also now distributing the risk across these multiple providers. And the, the approach that they're taking allows the enterprise to, to come back up to the similar levels of, of stability and performance and quality, but it's being done in a, in a risk-based approach now as opposed to holding somebody accountable contractually. So we see very regularly enterprises go from uh, a traditional model where they had a primary MPLS circuit at a location into a model where they've got maybe two or three broadband circuits at a site. And each one of those circuits is probably not good enough on its own, but when you combine them together, you come back up to a level of performance that the, the business deems acceptable. What's changed or what they're, they're giving up maybe in that scenario is the uh, the contract and the language in the contract that you can point to to hold somebody accountable and maybe recover some service credits if uh, if there's an outage and so on. But it's it's very much moving towards that distributed model where each of the components is just fulfilling a much smaller part, but then in totality the enterprise can get more bandwidth, reduced costs, and often a better network that's, that's probably more suited to the cloud applications and so on that they need to access. So it's a, it's a shift in mindset as much as anything else where uh, we're seeing much greater willingness on the part of the enterprises to adopt this type of model where uh, they want to tap into all of those benefits, but it comes at the, 
at the the, the cost of uh, losing that single entity that is accountable and holds the contract for every piece of it. So that's probably the single biggest shift that we're seeing at the moment. That's very interesting. I, I heard it. I think it was in in the Wansom in London. That was described as having one neck to strangle, which was quite a nice way of putting it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so, the bad days for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's assuming something goes wrong. Um, so that's quite a big. It's quite a big shift in mindset, really, for for a network manager. Um, firstly, would you agree with that? And secondly, how have you seen your clients adjusting to that? It's uh, well, I think definitely agree with it, and that's a model that I, I've seen proven out enough times now in the in the real world to to have a high degree of confidence in. So, um, across many different geographies, across many different types of enterprises and use cases and application patterns and so on, I think there's, there's a very strong case to be made for, uh, for that type of uh, connectivity model. And I think what's even more true in many cases is that it's, it's inevitable. So we're seeing uh, one of the big drivers for enterprises adopting that type of a model is that the, the application and infrastructure mix has just changed beyond recognition. So if you now have a scenario where 80-plus percent of the traffic is destined for somewhere outside of the network, then the traditional model starts falling apart at that point. You're, you're paying for dedicated private MPLS connectivity at a site, but your, uh, your phone system is in the cloud, your video conferencing system is in the cloud, your uh, Active Directory infrastructure lives in Microsoft Azure or AWS, we're seeing a very strong shift away from the network perimeter in terms of where all the destinations are. So uh, we see uh, a lot of enterprises that had gone quite far down the, the cloud adoption path from an application and infrastructure perspective. They were probably the first to go down this path at the edge to realize that, well, we may as well just go with a distributed internet-based model at the edge. What we're starting to see, though, is that even enterprises in more conservative industries where more of the infrastructure lives on premises, so financial services is a good example of that. We're seeing those types of businesses now start to adopt a similar model where they're going down this path of a commoditized, fragmented underlay, and then the overlay across the top of that then is, uh, is what drives the level of consistency and performance then back into the, uh, into the application. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a trend we're seeing really across the board, but I, I can see a lot of benefits from the proof ones we've got out there for sure. Okay. Um, so we'll move topics like now to the um, convergence between network and security, which we've seen happening across a lot of different use cases and, um, and kind of scenarios recently. So um, with that being the case, um, does this offer another opportunity to find some synergies to consolidate some costs? And if so, how can, how can network managers with, with the help of their vendors go about this? It, it certainly does. Um, it, and this has been a fairly uh, significant shift in, in what we've seen around buying patterns and so on. Because if you go back three, five years ago, there was still a very clear separation between the, the network-related contracts and the security-related contracts. And we're seeing the the model converged more towards a services-based structure where a lot of the, um, the security services now are sitting inside the cloud or inside the network, and a lot of the, the providers now are selling packaged solutions where you can do some filtering and inspection on the edge, but then tap into their cloud services then as well to do it at a, a larger scale. So um, we're seeing 
um, an opportunity there for enterprises to consolidate some of those two spend categories into one. Um, and there are vendors uh, that can that can address both the the connectivity, the the overlay, the network overlay component, as well as providing those security services. So there's the ability there to to consolidate some of those costs and achieve some savings for sure. Uh, what we're also seeing, though, is that it's an opportunity for enterprises to move away from uh, what was a very traditional CapEx asset-based model on the security side. So lots of firewalls, lots of appliances with maintenance contracts sitting out there with very uh, specific refresh cycles and so on, and the need to constantly fork out money over uh, every three to five years to keep those updated and keep up with bandwidth trends and so on. So moving more towards an OPEX model there um, can can help enterprises deal with that ability to, to flex up or flex down depending on the uh, the requirements of their user base. So uh, you know, look at the scenario that's happened over the past six weeks, for example. They've got the same number of users that need to access the network, but they're now accessing the network from completely different locations. Mm-hmm. And if you're dealing with the traditional appliance-based model, you will be upgrading individual devices to deal with that load. But tapping into something that's more services-based, it's often charged by user, so it's, it's tied to the number of users that are consuming the service as opposed to where they physically reside. So it can help enterprises deal with those sort of changing work patterns as well without having to upgrade equipment that then is way over-spec'd for the patterns that exist you know, the next month or the following month, for example. So it's becoming more attractive for that reason as well to be able to adapt to the changes in, uh, in, in user patterns across the network. Okay. Um, we've asked this to quite a few of our One Wednesday guests, actually, but it's always good to hear different perspectives. It's obviously everybody's got different clients, so there's always a different point of view to be had. So um, given the what's happened in the past six weeks, have you seen your clients looking to accelerate a move towards cloud-based services, OPEX-based services um, in a direct response to this, or has it been the case of still trying to find their feet? We've seen a mix. We've seen some clients that are uh, not far enough down the path to be able to easily shift into that model, and they are the ones that are still trying to find find their feet and just deal with the um, the volumes of traffic and so on. So we, we see some of that. Uh, we do see other clients, though, where this has really acted as uh, an accelerator for a lot of those initiatives to, to move more to these OPEX models and to, to have the ability to turn costs on or off uh, as and when they're needed. So it, it is definitely driving an increase overall, I would say. Um, and then within that, it's, it's really dependent on how set up that enterprise is already to, to be able to tap into those services and adopt them. But yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, the, the overall shift is more towards that OPEX uh, as a service type model. I would definitely agree with that. Okay, well, that's definitely a strong argument for organizations and enterprises to make sure they've got that SD1 software kind of base there, which means uh, it'd be a lot easier to flex and find those cost savings when they need to be done. Um, now, we'd like to finish with the traditional weird one Wednesday question, which is has nothing to do with enterprise networking, but we'd like to ask it anyway. Now, this is actually the first question which has been supplied by a listener, so we're very pleased about that. And um, if anybody listening does have some ideas for future ones, we're, we're all ears. So my question to you, Kieran, is say a giraffe has got a job in a bank, business development manager, something like that. Um, they go in for their first day. They're getting ready. They put their tie on. 
Do they do they fasten the tie at the top of the neck or at the bottom of the neck? It's got to be at the bottom because their legs wouldn't be quite long enough to reach all the way up to the top. So I would definitely say they'd, uh, they'd have the tie at the bottom, but they would probably struggle with that and, uh, and give up in the end and maybe even drive a new dress code in the bank as a result. And uh, <laughs> practical considerations could get in the way there. Okay, well, that's um, a good example of driving change in organisation, I suppose. It's <laughs> uh, exactly. a, a very well-thought-out answer, considering it's totally off the, off the cuff, or off the collar in this case. <laughs> so, um, I've got Kieran, I've young kids who uh, keep me on my toes with these questions. So. Oh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> so I'm, sure, I'm sure they do. Oh, it's good to hear you nice and sharp when it comes to the weird questions. Well, Kieran, thank you very much for your time on the podcast today. It's been really good having you on. Good to hear your perspective as to how how network managers can can keep costs under control by by being you know proactive with them and moving towards the model which people are generally trying to go to anyway. So thank you very much for your time on the show and um, I hope everyone listening enjoyed it. Thank you very much and we'll uh, we'll be back next week with another one. Great. Thank you very much, Bill, and thanks for having me and look forward to being at a one summit again event again sometime in the in the near future, I hope. Thank you. I think we all are. Thank you. Thank you.